the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. We invite you every Saturday night here on AM 1280 The Patriot at 6 p.m. to come along with us. Well, we know that K-12 education is the playing field, and as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so rightly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I want to turn now to my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom, where tonight we will take a detailed look at the education legislation that comprised the education omnibus bill that recently passed in the Minnesota Senate. And the 2021 legislative session officially adjourned on May 17th, but details surrounding the budget funding still need to be ironed out during a special session here in June. After a year that saw tremendous learning losses in schools across the nation, we want to discuss what education legislation will look like in Minnesota moving forward and beyond the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right, Mark. And here tonight to break down the specifics pertaining to the Senate's education omnibus bill is Minnesota State Senator Roger Chamberlain of Lionel Lakes. And Senator Chamberlain represents District 38 and also serves as the chair of the Senate's Education, Finance and Policy Committee. He's been a guest on Education America many times in the past to discuss education legislation in the Minnesota legislature, or legislature, excuse me. Senator Chamberlain, thanks again for joining us here tonight on Education America. Always good to see your smiling face. Oh. I think the first time I was on was out in Stillwater. You had to go up all those stairs. Exactly. You had to go up all those steep Stan stairs. Stan Turner had to show up. Exactly. Yes. You have a good memory. Well, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as a school uh, or as school shutdowns and distance learning um, has carried on for more than a year, Minnesota families and their children carried incredible amounts of stress in trying to adapt. And serving as the chair of the Senate's Education, Finance, and Policy Committee, your priorities have always been to put kids first. And that's one of the reasons why you've been on our show so many times. Can you share with our listeners what you've been hearing from parents and their local school, or and from their local school districts, I should say, over the last year? I'd be happy to. <laughs> I bet the list is long. Long, yes. Well, it's, there, there's anger, there's frustration. Uh, the stress for the families and the educators and the districts trying to manage constantly changing policies from from the state, mm-hmm. um, mental health of the kids. Yeah, obviously that is a not that's uh, just obvious, and it's also been documented in research. Suicides and other issues. Fair funding for schools. The 
the federal money coming in went out by a particular formula and distributed by a, on a particular formula, which meant a lot of districts got very few dollars. Mm-hmm. They needed, but they were still having to do the same things with PP, uh, PPE and mm-hmm. other things for their kids. And a lot of them, some of them were still in in class, and uh, while well, others weren't in class, mm-hmm. um, they did. They don't want any more mandates. They want some innovation. They want ability to innovate and uh, want uh, freedom to be flexible. How they provide services to their families, best provide services to the families and students they serve. And so we're trying to take advantage of this time and and provide the districts what they need, the educators what they need, and help out the kids most of all. Now, obviously, um, there's some differences in there, and always the mantra from the teachers' union and Education Minnesota is more money, more money, more money. That's all they think about without mm-hmm. any reform. So mm-hmm. those are the things we've been hearing about across the board. Yeah. So we're trying to address those directly, and we have. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you hear from teachers too, Roger? More indirectly off the record, Yeah. right, If unless they're retired. Uh, you know, when I was knocking on doors last summer, many teachers expressed frustration, and um, uh, others have shared – the ones that were retired have shared thoughts and ideas, and others who are not retired, you know, off the record have talked to us and sent mm-hmm. us, you know, information. So, mm-hmm. yes, uh, we mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Because that's my sense. You know, I run a school. I run Liberty mm-hmm. Classical Academy. And our teachers couldn't wait to get back in the classroom. And I just have to believe that that's the way the vast majority yes. of teachers really feel. You're absolutely right. It's a great point. And that was one of the things we heard, too, uh, not only during the summer, but also in the last many months of um, doing this work. They want to get back. Most educators want to do their job of ed- educating kids, mm-hmm. but they're not being allowed to do that. Yeah, so sad. You know, in listening to these concerns, uh, Senator Chamberlain, the committee uh, that you chair, it developed a plan that would help address the consequences stemming from the COVID struggle and school shutdowns, um, there's a six-step plan that is outlined in an acronym that is SIMPLE, S-I-M-P-L-E. What did you and the committee see as the leading priorities, really in ensuring that the interest of students would be put first? Well, it's interesting. I was sitting around the table with our smart team and staff, and we were thinking about, well, how should we frame this? And uh, one of the my colleagues said, SIMPLE, because we were talking about students and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So he came up with simple, student-focused, innovative, innovation, mm-hmm. mandate-free, parent involvement, literacy-driven, and efficient. Excellent. And I thought, that's perfect. Because mm-hmm. that's, and that's how we've set up our proposal. The bill we brought to the floor was, in its whole, simple. Maybe 10 mandates or soft mandates. Schools were already doing most of those things. Um, we listened to schools in that. We listened to the schools about innovation and distance learning and innovation zones. Uh, we brought, when we had testimony, we brought in parents, very few lobbyists. We limited what the education, the state of Minnesota, uh, Department of Education would, uh, how much they would be there and how much, uh, we certainly didn't bring Education Minnesota in. <laughs> um, and uh, literacy and parents and efficiencies, you know, streamlining, no mandates. So our entire bill was like 136 pages of pure simplicity, things that the educators wanted, the districts wanted. Parents were asking for it to the best we could in the cabinet. Now, some people complain there wasn't enough money in there. But, uh, you know, we did a lot with a little 
in our proposal. And we also, of course, have school choice in our bill, ESAs. Mm-hmm. That actually saves us state money. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in a moment here. Mm-hmm. So last month, the Senate approved SF-960, which was a bipartisan education omnibus bill that addresses the six priorities that you just mentioned. And the bill fully funds K-12 schools. And in fact, you've said that Senate Republicans have made sure schools are fully funded every year. And of course, that's a misnomer that we hear is that Republicans don't fully fund. I just want to add quickly here (laughs) that in Minneapolis, they spend $25,000 per pupil, and yet their minority test scores are 15% that pass their math tests and only 30% that pass their reading tests. So Mm -hmm. you fully fund them, and they're paying that much per student, and yet this is the result that we get. So Mm. um, the Republicans have had the majority in the Senate, and as I said, they have fully funded them every year. The bill also transforms the way the state of Minnesota delivers education. Can you begin by breaking down the funding on this bill, and how does this bill expand choice for parents and families? Well, the funding of the bill, uh, you know, we had our first version that was $152 million from us, but the bill... The proposals start with a $700 million increase just for growth, for yep. pro- projections, right? Wow. So over last biennium's amount, it's $700 million, which hmm. is 3.5% growth just in the growth Yeah. before we add a dime to it. Then we added $152 million, and we looked to how can we have the biggest impact, you know, stuff like letters and stuff like that, mm-hmm. really in, in, uh, impactful uh, Game changers, plus safe school aid and community ed. But then with the new money that they agreed to, the leadership, the governor and the House and Senate agreed to is $525 million. So $1.25 billion will go in to K-12. $1.25 billion just in 22-23. Mm. New money. New money. Wow. Right? That's on top of the $2.6 billion, $2.6 billion from the feds over the last year. And they're saying they don't have enough money. So the breakdown of the money is there's plenty of money. Mm-hmm. I told our my counterpart in the house, I said, we got a lot of money. I don't know how we're going to spend it all. And they just short chortle because, you know, they could find all kinds of bad things. To spend. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, how does it expand choice for parents? Uh, school choice. The biggest one is uh, ESAs, educational savings accounts. And that doesn't raise revenue. It takes the money that's with the children already, and the money follows the kid. The money follows the kid. That's why there's no additional cost to the state. The initial cost is just for regulations and rules and setting up the vendors, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like $13, 14000000 million in the first two years. Mm-hmm. To set all that up, to get her going. And then after that, in the next two, three years, by the end of the next biennium, it saves the state money. There's reasons for that. It's not a huge amount, but there's no net increase. It's not taking money away from anybody. The money follows the kid. The $10,000 of revenue follows that kid. Mm-hmm. So that's and how it's it true. works. Isn't it true also that some of the money stays behind yeah. for the school district too? Right. So we take 10% and leave it with the school. So the average gen ed money is a thousand is 10000 bucks. So we take that and we say 10% stays with the district for that first year. So a mm-hmm. parent takes their kid out, or and that's per kid. So if they take two kids out, $2,000 would stay behind. You know, it's different, a little bit different in each district, but that 10% stays behind for that district uh, for that one year. Hmm. So they'll keep 2000 as a 
bucket load? No, but they keep some of it for mm-hmm. the first year's transition out. Yeah. It's pure choice. It's fou- There's no new dollars. And uh, we'll talk more later, I guess, yeah. about it. But. Yeah. Well, the support behind the education savings accounts continues to grow exponentially, really. Um, can you share with our listeners some of the research and supporting data that affirms the widespread support? And then how do ESAs empower parents to contribute vastly improved outcomes for students? So um, first, the studies is uh, the I've been following an organization for a while, and they updated it. 100 studies, gold standard type studies, randomized studies, right, were conducted. Uh, the latest number was 100. Mm-hmm. Of that 100, 87% of those came back positive impact in five areas. 100 studies, five different areas, 87% positive, 3% negative, and was about 10% no no real measurable impact hmm. change. So in total, uh, that means uh, of the, the 87%, right, 100 studies, 87 studies came back strong, good outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did I say? 13, 10 did mm-hmm. not, no mm-hmm. change, and three negative. Right. They always focus on the three negative. They always pull up the study show. I got 100 studies. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And these studies are academic outcome for the private school, academic outcomes improved for public, for government schools. The, uh, uh, the money outcomes for public schools and uh, government schools was positive. Racial impact was positive, And civics involvement and knowledge was positive. Those five areas, all positive, all good. It's been done. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so they focus on the three negative ones. Right. But that's how people do things. Yeah. ESAs have track records down south, and I think with all of the COVID shutdowns, more states have also been introducing ESA legislation as well. well yeah, it passed. So I think was it uh, Tennessee. Indiana. In Indiana, right. There mm-hmm. were two other states. And I know Arizona expanded theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Florida somehow ins- expanded theirs as well. I'd have to look at that. But yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, with, all, with Minnesotans from all backgrounds throwing their support behind school choice, it's easy to imagine how frustrating it has to be for you and other legislators who are working tirelessly on this effort in securing better school options for students across this state. And more importantly, the frustrations for these families that are stuck in these failing schools has to be at an all-time high as well. So let's go behind closed doors a little bit, okay? How are the conversations? We want to know. I think our listeners want to know. How are these conversations unfolding with the likes of Governor Waltz and legislators who refuse to budge when it comes to school choice legislation? When all of these stats are presented to them, when they see the studies. Mm-hmm. Well, they pick on, as I previously mentioned, they usually pick up the three right. negative studies where states which are actually anomalies where they didn't follow up and didn't pass other legislation to support it um, and didn't make it really accessible to a number of students and families. But uh, they, look, honestly, this is an Education Minnesota Teachers Union thing. Mm-hmm. This is a jobs program for the, for the Education Minnesota. There are a lot of great teachers. We've never attacked the educators. There's a lot of great educators out there. And I've often asked, well, what are you afraid of? What, why do you feel threatened for kids to have choice? They have choice for preschool, which the, the Democrats are trying to take away. And they have choice in their uh, scholar, their grants for college and universities afterwards. But here they don't. They want to protect Education Minnesota. They're a big donor to their campaigns. Mm-hmm. And that's all this is. That's what this is because you can't deny the facts. You can't deny the evidence. 
They can't dev- deny the, I, the testimony from the parents and the families. They are there. They are saying it. And when, I, when they talk about equity, this is equity. Right. This is what 74% of African-American parents, 71% of Hispanic parents have asked for. Give us this. We like it. We want it. We do it. This is equity. Mm-hmm. So uh, all the, they can scream all the equity they want, put all the rules in the book that they want. This is equity. Yeah. And parents will be involved and it empowers parents, period. They will they will take charge of their kids' education, no mm-hmm. doubt. And that's, I think that's one of the things that is the most disturbing to me is the hypocrisy. And we actually talked about this last week when we had the two moms on, or one mom, one grandma. Um, and we talked about how hypocritical um, the left is in saying they want equity, but then not being willing to stand up for school choice. Mm-hmm. And this is the very thing that could provide the equity or and truly the equity, you know, there's a difference between equality, you know, equal opportunity versus equity, equal outcome. Uh, you're much more likely to actually obtain equity if you actually gave everyone a good education, an excellent education. And so if that's not happening, then people need to have the opportunity to send their kids to a school that is providing an education that works for their kids. Right. It's all public education. Yeah. They'll also say, well, we don't. The private schools will deny access, unlike the public schools. Um, that's the new line, and that uh, they, we shouldn't be siphoning public money off uh, away from public schools. It's all public education, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, and that's what we're trying to do, best possible education. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know where they get that notion that private schools will not take students. I mean, they, if they're full, they won't. It's you know, good, it's a good argument um, for them, right? I mean, yeah, they can throw it out there without any basis in fact. Yeah, yeah, I guess the parents can always stay in the in the government school, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. unbelievable. You know, and that's the thing. You know, you talk about equity in terms of the overwhelming support that is coming from minority communities for school choice, and, and but when you look at the proficiency and reading gap in Minnesota, it's substantial. And according to the 2019 Minnesota Report Card. When it comes to reading proficiencies for all students tested in K through 12, uh, more than 298,000 white students were tested. There was a proficiency of 67.8%. Uh, Asian students, uh, a little more than 31,000 students were tested with a proficiency of 54.3% proficiency. Uh, Hispanic and Latino students, uh, a little more than 44,000 tested with a proficiency of only 38.3%. And then when you look at black and African-American students, with the number of about 49,000 of those students tested, there was only a proficiency of 34.7%. And so we know just from... And that's from, Minnesota statewide. We have districts yes, that are K-12. much worse yep. than that. Yep, yep. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so early literacy, it's so crucial for setting kids up for success in lifelong learning. And the Senate's bill that uh, the chair helped pass would expand the letters teaching training program which is described as the consensus approach to training educators on how to properly teach reading to young students, especially those with dyslexia. So why is the training program so successful, and how successful has this program been in other states across the country? It's successful because it gets away from that uh, ridiculous whole language stuff. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the science of reading. Reading has to be taught, as we've known from Groves Academy and a lot of real smart people, as you know. Yes. It has to be taught. It's not picked up like speaking. So um, 
they for years uh, there was this whole language movement, and it wasn't working, and it keeps getting worse. Still gets worse. Uh, this agree this bill that we had offered grants to for educators to get uh, letters pr- uh, training was a bipartisan agreement agreement with Education Minnesota, with uh, the districts, with uh, the Department of Education and the parents. The Dyslexia Minnesota. It's not mm-hmm. just for dyslexic kids. It's for all kids. All kids, yes. So it's got wide support, broad uh, broad bipartisan support because it works. Educators have come to us and said, this is working. I just We started it, and we saw, so she'd see the results already. Minnetonka, up in northern Minnesota, mm-hmm. it's working. Mississippi, I left the sheet at the office, but Mississippi is beating Minnesota in <laughs> African-American and Hispanic reading. I have heard that just recently. I probably heard it from you, actually. Yes, they're beating them. We got the data and the scores. Yeah. They're even beating the white kids. Wow. Mm -hmm. It works. Mississippi, several years ago, launched a uh, whole, as you know, uh, Mark, they Mm -hmm. created a whole new program, revamped literacy, and said, if you don't have this letter stuff, you can't get a license in the state of Mississippi. It has had dramatic effect and improvement on their ability to read and advancement. Mississippi is leading the country in advancement in these. So hmm. it's how you do it. It's not anything else. It's mm-hmm. how you do it. Mm-hmm. And reading forms the foundation of everything. If you don't learn to read proficiently, then you're not going to be able to mm-hmm. learn all your other subjects. It starts right. in about third grade. You right. you read to learn. And right. so the kids that are not reading proficiently are not going to be able to learn and they're going to keep getting pushed and pushed and pushed through the system. Educators wanted this. Educators were shortchanged in the higher education institutions that weren't doing it. So now they are thrilled to have it and get the support and get the grants. They help them get it. They want it. They were deprived of it. This is not a problem of an educator. It's a problem of a system that put whole whole language into their brains Mm -hmm. and didn't show them how to do it. They want it. They need it. They love it. It shows success. Yeah. Results. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very happy to hear that there was bipartisan support yeah. and even union support for that bill. Which means the Democrats don't have it in their bill in the House. <laughs> <laughs> even though a Democrat author, right? So. That's very yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, back in January, Governor Walls proposed the expansion of recruitment programs to get more teachers of color in the classroom. The Senate's bill addresses this shortage by providing pathways to get more teachers of color in the classroom. Can you describe for our listeners, please, the different programs under the bill that would provide these teachers? And what are some of the major benefits cited by the Senate that would come with the hiring of more teachers of color? So uh, it's, you know, it's, there's science and common sense behind this. Four percent mm-hmm. of the four or five percent of the educators in Minnesota are teachers of color. Uh, about 20 percent of the student body are students of color. Mm -hmm. So the science also shows there is an improvement uh, uh, outcome, uh, academic improvement for those kids if they have uh, teachers in classroom that look like them and kind of think like them. So their science is there. School choice is much better, but there's still science that show that this works. And it's common sense. And for decades been ignored. So uh, credit to the governor that they put forward a plan, and we we agreed to all of it. Uh, we'd like to do a couple other things, but, uh, again, the teachers' union stepping in. Mm-hmm. So the plan is basically uh, we put more money into a grow-your-own, give local control to give grants and money to get these educators, uh, to find the educators and get them in a system and 
pay for room and board or tuition. Secondly, um, we, there's money for hiring bonuses for educators to come out of state, marketing money to get educators from out of state to come here. We have mentoring, extra money for mentoring to boost that to help these educators through the system once they're hired. Uh, we also will uh, allow no changes in the licensing standards. The Democrats want to make all kinds of changes to the licensing standards, which would wipe out the ability for 25% of those educators. I thought I turned that off. <laughs> 25% of the educators uh, to get licensed. 25% of the educators in the Tier 1, Tier 2 program are teachers of color. And the ah. Democrats want to... Democrats in Education Minnesota want to revamp that, and what they're revamping would completely wipe that out. We had solid, hard testimony saying it was terrible to do, so we protect that, plus we'd like to get rid of LIFO. So there's a number of things we agree with the governor on about doing. We will do those. It makes sense. It's the right thing to do, and it'll help. But we will not change the Pelsby licensing rules because— And what's the union's motivation for that, just out of curiosity? It always is. Money, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want— if you're in Tier 1 or Tier 2, I forget Tier 2 exactly, they claim that there's loopholes. Well, there's no loopholes. There's no loopholes. You've got to pass tests to get 3 and 4, yeah. which are full licensure. There's no loopholes. But if you're in Tier 1, maybe Tier 2, you're not part of the bargaining unit. So you don't contribute uh, to dues. That's it's a big it. deal. Okay. They've been trying to do this for three or four years, ever mm. since it's been uh, put into law. And 25% of those educators, that's a pathway for them to get fully licensed. They're smart, they're very capable, and they're strong, and they can do it. We also have a Black Men Teach program we're giving money to, which is a great organization. They said they can get 30 to 50 teachers of color in uh, a few years. Hmm. That's so, powerful. No, it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so there's a, a whole a number of things we're going to do I agree with. There are good ideas that should be done, but we're not going to mess with the licensing standards because it will – Take 25% of them right out. They'll lose mm-hmm. their job right away. They'll never be a teacher. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Didn't Really quickly, because mm-hmm. I know we're winding down mm-hmm. on time here, but didn't the legislature approve a slight change in licensure, licensure a couple of years ago that was actually beneficial? Um, I, I, that, don't, I don't recall exactly. There is one change we can make on Tier 1 or Tier 2. It has a, bachelor, a bachelor's degree exception. Oh, maybe but, that was it. Tell me what that is. It's a bachelor's degree exception for, I think, Tier 1. For, okay. a certain, for a certain amount of time. But again, okay. to get the full licensure at three and four, you got to have all this stuff done. You got to pass the test. Mm-hmm. So there's only one change that could be beneficial. All the others would lock them out. Hmm. You know, it's, you got to just wonder if they talk to each other because, <laughs> you know, like you say, this was being proposed by Democrats and well, yet me, the unions are shutting it down. Let me tell down. you one other little dirty yeah. secret. Repres- Representative Cedric Frazier, I think it's Cedric Frazier. An attorney for Education Minnesota. Okay. He's a Democrat elected representative. An attorney for Education How Minnesota. Can, isn't that a complete conflict of interest? Yeah. <laughs> He's putting forward the Pelsby license changes. What? No way. The Education Department, Minnesota Department of Education, had a had a uh, government affairs uh, person working for them a couple year, years ago. He left, went to Education Minnesota. Hmm. His counterpart left, went to Education Minnesota. He's now back at, at Minnesota Department of Education. <laughs> the Department Education Minnesota is inside the Department of yeah. Education. Unbelievable. And you've got a representative who works for Education Minnesota as an attorney proposing the laws to change the teacher licensing that would keep teachers of color out of the classroom. 
Wow. This is you know, true. I just can't even believe that that's Bible. allowed. I on cannot believe that's allowed. On a Bible. Mm-hmm. It is true. So we have to expose these things. I'm glad this came up. And we are at the very, very end of our show, Roger, and we're going to keep you on and we're going to um, do another show with you for next Saturday night because we're so excited to have you here discussing all of this with us today. Thank so, you. Love thank fun. you to our listeners. And we look forward to seeing you again next Saturday night. Uh, join us at 12, uh, 12, 12 a.m. 1280 The Patriot at 6 p.m. on Saturday evenings. And then you can check us out on education America. Dot org, education.america.org. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes, you can. All right. Thanks. Good night.